Welcome to the Miles Memories Podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined by Joe Chung from As the Joe Flies and Disney Deciphered. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Pretty good. Uh, I can see you are not in Asia, but uh, <laughs> I'd love to know where you actually are because I don't know the story yet. Yeah, so I'll, uh, I'll talk about it on the show, tell people where I'm at. Uh, before we get into the show, though... Just a reminder, you can subscribe to this podcast in any podcast app. If you're on Apple Podcasts, consider leaving us a five-star review. It helps us out a lot. And if you are applying for cards, you can definitely help us out by supporting the show. You can find links for everything at mtmpodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening and for your support. So yeah, Joe, I'm in Cabo San Lucas, not quite Tokyo. Yeah, slightly shorter flight. Um, so how'd you end up there? And like, I mean, as of last, when do we record? Tuesday? You were thinking of going to Asia, and it's only six days later, and you're in Mexico. So how did that all come together? Yeah, my life is a little bit crazy, I guess. Well, who do you, you've been married a long time, right, Joe? And then you know that you know you have these ideas, and we're supposed to be traveling, right? And we talked on the last show about how I have a family member, I'm dealing with something, and I have to be somewhat close to home for the next few weeks. And we were going to try to like jet over to Japan, come back. And I got overruled on that idea, basically saying that we were going to be too far from home. And uh, my wife just wasn't comfortable with that. So this is a Jasmine rarely shoots me down, rarely shoots me down. But she did. Well, I mean, you got to save that veto for when you need it. Now, before we get to how you booked Cabo last minute, I mean, I'm, I'm really curious. I know like these days, cancellation policies are a lot more flexible and forgiving what did you have booked and you know did you have any trouble canceling any of that i want to know both uh, i'm assuming you weren't going to fly over in economy so i want to know what you had booked flight wise and if you had any hotels planned yeah so luckily you know flights to japan have been pretty plentiful for like right now this time of year so there was a lot of business class award space on both Star Alliance, some with A, although that dried up a little bit. And then Japan Airlines had a lot of business class that I could book with either Alaska or American. And I was going to book with American. So I was doing some award holds and doing some rolling holds and things like that uh, to kind of pick dates and try to get us onto those flights. But I never actually booked anything um, because there was just so much space. Like every day it was available for like the week that we were going to leave three tickets every single day, which is sort of insane when you think about it. Hopefully we'll do Japan in the summer. I doubt I'll find that kind of award space, right? So we'll probably either have to do it in economy or I'll have to hunt really hard for tickets. But that was really what we were going to do. I was I had plans for hotels, but didn't have anything specifically booked. So, you know, I guess leaving everything open was good for us. But basically, Japan wasn't going to happen because Jasmine wasn't comfortable with it, given the fact that we probably have to be back in two weeks and there's just a lot of communication that has to happen. So being on different time zones. So we got to thinking and we tried to look at what we have on the books because we have certain things like a Virgin cruise that we have to take and these free nights at the Waldorf and Cabo that we got last year for people who don't listen, for people who are newer to the show, we had a great stay at the Waldorf Cabo last year. This hotel is really popular in the miles and points space right now. A great use of Hilton free night certs. Unfortunately, there was a, something that happened by the pool where my wife was like racially stereotyped and there was an issue. And, you know, you can listen to the episode. I did a whole review of the property, everything positive except for that one issue. In order to make up for that, they gave us three free nights. So it was more than enough to make up for it. 
We were in a two-bedroom villa that we got upgraded with Hilton Diamond status on that stay, so they gave us the villa again for this stay. So the cash price of this room is like $3,500 a night, which is insane. I tacked on a Hilton free night cert for a fourth night, and here's a little data point for everybody out there. I had upgraded a surpass card at the end of last year to Aspire in order to get the Diamond status extended, even though it seems like they just extended it for a lot of people. But anyway... You're not supposed to get a free night, Joe, but apparently when you do upgrade the car, they still send the free night. So that posted like a couple weeks ago, added that on, four free nights in Cabo, got it off the books. So uh, yeah, nice luxury ocean view, no sushi or tempura or beef bowls or all the great things that I love in Japan. You look like you're in a cabin. Obviously, Sean and I are in video. You all can't see this. There's like wood on top of you or something like that, but maybe that's just the... um lighting now if you are interested in what happened to sean and jasmine uh, i just looked it up it's the september 29th episode or thereabouts so about half a year ago but yeah uh i was pretty pissed about that uh episode so i'm glad that uh they made good and that you are able to use those free nights and it's it's also like i mean what's that two hours away from vegas if you have to get there yeah, that was the other part of this was that United had somewhat decent rates flying Las Vegas through to Los Angeles to Cabo because there's no direct flights this time of year. I think Frontier is the only one who flies that direct twice a week during the high season. But I was able to use the United Travel Bank cash that I've been storing up for my platinum cards. So it kind of all worked perfectly. And while I'm not sure where we're going next, we're going to go back home in a couple weeks, but... I think we might do either Guadalajara or Monterey next, so we'll, we'll see. So I continue to live on the edge uh, as it is. I just needed to get out of the house, and uh, and here I am. So we just arrived today, so I don't have much to say about the property. And like I said, I reviewed it six months ago. I don't expect it to be much different. This room is slightly different, has better views, but the room isn't quite as nice, even though it's the same category room. But this is a really nice property. I mean, it's, uh, it is a five-star property, and it's an amazing use of certs because... Even during slow times, a base room is seven dollars $800 here. So I hope that things hold up. I hope we don't have any other issues as we go through here and that this is a great stay. And I expect it to be. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's where I'm at. How about you? How's your week been? Pretty good. Just very busy. Um, parent-teacher conferences coming up and still wave season for travel and stuff like that. So just treading water over here. Pretty tired. But uh, looking forward to traveling again soon in April. This is like the long slog for teachers in new england it's like six weeks straight um then we'll have an april break and we're gonna go to charlotte to visit my sister-in-law first time since uh before the pandemic so we're pretty excited good stuff well there's been a lot of news this week a lot of interesting stuff i guess we should talk about the chase ink cards how long has the chase ink bonus been up to ninety thousand points or 900 on the ink cash and ink unlimited it's been quite a while now and we learned that it's going to end we now know when the bonuses are going to end. These $900, 90,000-point bonuses are going to end at 9 a.m. Eastern on March 21st. So this has been one of the better deals, I think, in the miles and points space for for a while. And, I mean, when do you ever get a 90,000-point bonus or $900 cash on a no-annual-fee card like the Chase Inc. Cash? Uh, that also comes with like zero intro APR, which I know for like a lot of people out there, they're like, oh my God, debt, zero APR. But I have talked about this before on the podcast. I've used these 0% APR for business purchases, 
And it can be really good to give you some cash flow and things like that, especially like reselling, like what I do. So I actually look at that. Um, but yeah, both the Business Unlimited and the Ink Cash, these are cards that I don't have the Unlimited, which is something I'm actually considering because I do have a slot open. I do have several of the Ink Caches, which earn 5x at Office Supply on up to 25,000 in purchases each year. So uh, yeah, I think that these are both worth picking up if people are in the right mood. If they're a 524, 900 bucks, no annual fee on either card. What do you think? I agree. I picked up the Unlimited a few months ago when I dipped below 524. It was like, I mean, these offers have been going on for so long and I kept worrying that they would go away. And so as soon as I was under 524, I booked it. Just a reminder that Many of you listening probably have businesses that you don't even think of as businesses, whether it be, you know, if you dip into buyer's clubs every once in a while, uh, reference back a couple of weeks, PDX deals guy was on the episode talking about reselling, you know, whether you do that or whether you do gift card reselling on your own or whether you sell tickets on Ticketmaster, you know, a lot of you have small businesses, especially post pandemic, uh, everyone started various side hustles. So you probably have a business. Um, and so the main thing is really to be below 524. Yeah, that's a, that's a big one, right? Uh, but these are good cards. And, you know, these, this is probably the best bonus out there, especially for a no annual fee card. It's certainly one of the most valuable ones. So it's worth looking at. And, uh, you know, I've held the ink cash. I have several of those that I've downgraded from premium ink cards. Now you do need with either of these cards in order to make them ultimate rewards points, you do need a premium ultimate rewards card, like a Chase Sapphire Reserve, Sapphire Preferred, or an Ink Plus. So you need a premium card to be able to transfer those or else they're just worth one cent each, but good stuff. And as I said, if you are gonna apply and you do wanna support the show, we do have links for this card for the best offer. If you do currently have the card, you can also refer people, I think. So if you wanna tell your friends about it, you can generate referrals for it. But if you are gonna apply and don't have someone's referral, consider supporting us, mtmpodcast.com. We have links there. I know this is one that a lot of people are gonna be looking at before it ends, but you do have a couple weeks, March 21st, before those 90,000 ink offers go away. Now, Joe, I hate Southwest boarding. I'm just gonna come out and say it because I just don't like it. I like the idea of having an assigned seat, of being able to work the system a little bit more so that I can either get on or get on late if I want, you know, if I don't have a lot of bags or I'm not worried about, you know, putting stuff up in the overhead bin. But I like showing up, knowing where I'm at. And Southwest doesn't do that. You know, they have that watered down version for A-list where you get a high A number. But I don't want to have to check in at 24 hours. I don't want to have to do all this. So the bad news is that I don't think Southwest is going to get rid of that. But the good news is they're trying to figure out ways to make it better. And one of the things they said right now, it takes between 40 and 50 minutes on average to fully load a plane. So 40 for their smaller 737s, 50, I guess, for their bigger ones, which is insane. So they're trying all kinds that of different things from like... so long. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm they're trying, trying, I'm trying new, to think. Yeah, I'm trying to think like other airlines that don't do cattle boarding, like it feels like it should be done in half an hour. Yeah, maybe with Southwest because you get the free carry-ons and everything is sort of included. I just noticed people travel with more bags there, but you also get free check bags. So I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on with it. But I don't think they're getting rid of the cattle call boarding, but I guess they're trying out music in the queues, screens, different things to kind of get people on the same page, to get people more organized. I don't know, just... Just assign seats, Southwest. That's all you have to do. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. I don't know. I I just don't understand. I just never will get people's love for Southwest. I tried it once, and that's good enough. And I I just think, like, I don't think it's something that my family would love to fly. It's just, it's like the mental stress of not knowing where you're going to sit on top of everything else. And uh, shout out to my buddy Jeremy, who posted the other day. Uh, let me read what he said. Exactly. He just got a Southwest Companion Pass for the first time, and he wrote to me, the downside of the Southwest Companion Pass is that it is for flights on Southwest. And uh, I could not agree more. Yeah, I mean, I think that I agree with that. I've flown Southwest a lot on and off over the years, especially being in Las Vegas. But, uh, you know, all those Frontier years, the last couple of years, I haven't had to fly Southwest a lot. And I really don't miss it. I prefer Frontier, honestly. I know that that's blasphemy to a lot of people. But if you're in Atlanta and you're on Southwest, that's where you're going to find this, the innovation zone, as they call it. And there's 11 new concepts that they're testing to try to cut time down. So, I I mean, I just don't get it. They're trying everything but getting rid of their boarding uh, stuff. So I, I I just don't get it. They continue to, you know, their PR people continue to say that people love this, that it's their cherished boarding process, that people... Just love their ecosystem. So I guess people do. I'm sure I'll, I'll hear from people who are screaming at me right now. But Southwest, I mean, all you have to do is assign seats. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those things where it's like the it's like the free check bag thing, right? Like they have built their name on this. And it would just be such a brand change to get rid of it that for better or worse, you know, it's here to stay. Yep, it sure is. But they can put up flashing signs, play music, flashlights, put up special carpet, and automated kiosks to keep you from talking to agents. All of that stuff is what Southwest is doing. We do have a link and an article on this, so you can read more about it. We'll put that in the show notes for you. So the other big news of this week, Joe, was Hyatt, right? They sort of hurt us. Uh, They announced a lot of category changes for their properties, and that happens every year, so it's not new or unexpected. But this year, it was a little bit more brutal, dare I say, than uh, what we've seen in past years. It seems like some of the devaluations or the category changes that they had put off through COVID had finally come on. And a lot of properties, a lot of properties switched categories, most of them going up. And I guess we should start with all of the new Category 8 hotels. Like I, wow, I typed out this article as the information came on, and I did not expect, usually when you do these like recap articles of category changes and you're writing about it, you'll pick out a few kind of key properties, and then you know people will click to see more. But there were so many kind of high name properties in Hyatt that went from category seven to category eight that it was like difficult. The, the list became so long, and you know things like the Alila down in San Diego, Carmel Valley Ranch, Hyatt Carmel Highlands, Park Hyatt Beaver Creek, Hyatt-centric Key West, uh, you know, there's, I think, over two dozen properties, Park Hyatt Zurich. So to start, you know, that Category 8 got introduced a couple years ago for SLH properties. Now we're seeing more and more and more properties go there, and our Category 1 through 7 search don't work there. So to start, I'm not happy with that. I, I feel like Category 8 is way too big now. Yeah, like when they originally announced Category 8, it was like supposed to be like for the best of the best, the elite properties. And it was like less than 10. And you can kind of understand that. But when it gets to like a dozen, two dozen different properties, it's just like, you know, and honestly, making those cat one to seven certs, which globalists earn, quote unquote, I mean, whatever you think about that, it, it, it does really feel like a little bit of a slap in the face. I mean, I know this is a first world problems here, but. There is some good news, right? They didn't introduce a Category 9, so that's good news. 
They didn't change the amount of points that are required for each category. So a category eight property is 40,000 points, but a category seven is 30,000. So that's like a full third more in points. 10,000 more points a night is significant at these properties, but it wasn't just the category eights, right? That was like the big eye opening thing, but tons of very good value properties went up and things that people, you know, like to stay. Like for instance, Chicago Athletic Association went from category four to five. So you can't use certs there anymore. Same thing with the Hyatt Regency Grand Reserve in Puerto Rico and the Eliza Jane in New Orleans as well. Grand Hyatt Kauai and the Hyatt Regency Maui going from category six to seven. So those are some big ones. Southern California, Joe, I mean, I know that you're not making your Disneyland, your next Disneyland trip anytime soon, but those properties all went up, including the Long Beach properties, the Hyatt Centric and the Regency, which were category threes. I thought were a good value. They're up to fours. So there's just so much. Uh, I, mean, I just there's stayed just there so much. at the Long Beach Hyatt Regency. Yeah. So those thanks are both to your, Thanks to your, uh, you know, um, recommendation. Yeah. Southern California got decimated in this uh, devaluation, if you want to call it that or whatever. But there's a lot of like properties that were good values or even borderline values that are now just not good values anymore. A lot of fours to fives. Bali was another place that got decimated. I guess if you could say putting their category ones up to category two is decimated. But those were great values. I talked a lot about them with Tim and Amy a couple weeks ago on the show because they were in Bali talking about the Hyatt Regency there and even the Grand Hyatt there. Those are going from Category 1 to Category 2. So even Bali is uh, is hurting a little bit with these changes. So I think the thing to keep in mind is cash rates have gone up on hotels. Prices are higher than ever. And so we should expect to pay more. So it's not a surprise that more are going up than are going down. But we haven't really seen a list like this from Hyatt in a while where they've changed so much all at once. And uh, yeah, this is definitely, I'd say, a devaluation, inflation, you know, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, it's like both at the same time. I mean, semi-related. I was helping a friend book airfare to Taiwan and we were looking like both via points or via cash. Like they were open to doing either or maybe using Chase Ultimate Rewards at 1.5 cents per point. They still have the reserve. And cash flights overseas are like pretty wild now. It was running maybe 1,800, 2,000 round trip. That's what, and like I realized that my brain was still used to pre-pandemic pricing because that's what would have been towards the expensive side to fly to Taiwan before the pandemic in like 2019. Um, and, you know, a good price, like a like a fair price would used to be 1500 and then a good price like a you know a book it immediately price was like a thousand well now like they were only looking for the return because they actually got their outbound on points and it was like a thousand and i was looking at google flights price tracker and they said this price is low and i was like is that right and so then i asked my mother-in-law because they just recently went back to taiwan and they have friends who go back to taiwan all the time and they're like yeah it's like 2000 round trip now like that's that's like a good price so it just kind of blew my mind just how much things have changed. And so I feel like we are starting to see those effects hit the point values as well. Like, I think the problem is, since I think of everything in points now, I don't think about the cash values anymore, but eventually it starts creeping in. And so I think that's what we're seeing with Hyatt here. It's understandable, but it still sucks. Yeah. And the truth is about Hyatt is that their program is the most rewarding among all the major loyalty programs. I think... It isn't as good as it was three or four years ago. You know, they have cut it here and there, and then they gave away globalists to a lot of people who are now not globalists anymore. So there have been some challenges with Hyatt, but they're still, I think, the best program. 
a lot of great properties, even though their footprint still isn't as big as many others. And it's not like anybody else is, you know, not doing the same thing. So I'm not being an apologist for them. I think it's a lot, but, you know, it's reflective based on prices. And in the past, they've shown less willingness to, like, screw their customers than compared to some other, <laughs> you know, companies like, I don't know, I'm not going to name any because I don't want to get into trouble. But, uh, you know, Rhymes a convoy. <laughs> hey, so um, finish your thought and then I got a funny thought. No, so I'm willing to just give them a little bit more of a benefit of the doubt. This sucks. I'm not going to say it's a positive thing. I'm not going to spin it as a positive thing, but it's not unexpected. And as you point out, everything is costing more in cash. So they're going to cost more in points. What do you have to say? So just ra- just random uh, Marriott Bonvoy catching strays. You know, my daughter is 10 now. She's like firmly entering the tween age getting kind of sassy and you know she found out that marriott bonvoy was a thing like last year my parents were here and there's a ac hotels down the street and they had to stay there oh yeah like i think i don't know one of us had covid or something i can't remember but they ended up having to stay at a hotel instead of staying with us and my daughter came back and she's like why is it called bonvoy like that's a horrible name. Like, why would they call themselves Bonvoy? And so now every time she sees anything Marriott Bonvoy related, she's like, ah, Bonvoy, the worst. So, you know, you got 10, <laughs> you're catching strays from 10 year olds, Bonvoy. You know, I don't know. We all hated the name or panned the name when they came up with it. And it hasn't really changed in my mind. Yeah, it's not a good name. And they don't treat people so well all of the time, anecdotally, of course. But Hyatt treats people better. I've been a customer there a long time. I put my money where my mouth is. This isn't going to stop me from being a customer, if I'm being honest, right? I can be outraged all I want, but it's not going to stop me from staying at their properties. And, uh, you know, a lot of uh, there are a couple of properties on that list that I do plan on staying in the future or I have aspirational hopes to stay in. And, yes, that means they're more expensive, but I guess it just means I got to earn more points. I don't know. It's just not worth losing any sleep over. So, uh, you know. Happy and yeah. like I said, they didn't add a category nine, Joe. That's what we should be worried about, or changing the amount of points per category because that could be an inflationary move as well. Right, ten's an even number. You know, this is like a related problem. So I, I've I've said that I have been or I've been trying to make a tradition of staying at the Park Hyatt New York on my birthday um, every year in December because you know we're home in New Jersey and. You know, I really love it, and I've been able – the first two times I did it, I mean, the first time was 2019 and then skipped a couple of years and then did it last year. I was able to do it with my cat one through seven certs, right? But now, obviously, I can't. What uh, I am realizing is that <laughs> the other sneaky thing with these devaluations is you either start really enjoying these properties or just are used to that level of service, like at a Park Hyatt or whatever – and now it's actually I think it's it's probably like thirty five thousand, right? But you know the cash price is like a thousand dollars, and so you know in your mind you start playing around with well, you know I still want to do this for my birthday. Maybe I'll pay the thirty five thousand instead of you know originally when I started doing this it was only twenty five thousand, and so you have been accustomed to the finer things in life, and then when Hyatt moves it to category eight. Um, you know, the Hyatt Regencies at both Disney properties are great examples, the Long Beach one and the Hyatt Regency Grand Cypress in Orlando. People are used to that. Hyatt moves it up a category. You're still going to pay the extra because you've found that you really enjoy that hotel. Oh, my God, Orlando. How could I forget Orlando? The Hyatt Regency Orlando, the one on International Drive, is moving up to Category 4 as well to match the Grand Cypress, which moved up to Category 4 last year. Uh, that's been one of my favorite properties. I've stayed there probably 
I don't know, eight or nine times in the last five years. And I really like it. And, you know, I would stay there even when doing Disney a little bit, even though it's further away. I do like Grand Cypress. But yeah, so that there's a lot of L.A. too, like I said. So there's a lot of like areas that have gotten more expensive. And uh, I'll put a link in the description to my article where you can see all the properties. I highlight all of the kind of most notable ones, too, so that you can see how your next vacation is going to become more expensive. So Benji this week wrote to all of us in the MTM crew, everybody on who writes or does anything for Miles to Memories, asking what people do first in their hotel room. And uh, of course, all of us being travel bloggers said take videos and photos. So then he said that wasn't a valid answer. He and got mad, up... okay? Like, he was <laughs> he was straight up getting annoyed at us. He thought we were, like, trolling. Like, no, this is like, I mean, come on. Know your audience who you're asking, Benji. But this is serious stuff for travelers, right? I mean, we all have our routines. Uh, we know certain people check for bed bugs. Uh, we know Mark, that was a habit that he had for a long time. And, I mean, I think he still does, but I don't know it's the first thing he does. But for me, I had to really think about this because, obviously, the first time I walk into a room, I am filming it, and I am taking pictures usually, what do I do? And I remembered that there is something I do that's very unique that not a lot of people do is I always look at the map on the back of a door uh, to kind of see the, I guess, the escape route, Joe, but more to see like how my room compares to all the other rooms on the floor. Not because I'm going to go say anything. It's more of like a technical kind of nerdy thing. So it's not like a, an ego thing. Of course, when you get a big suite, you feel good. But it's more just about like, okay, oh, did I get a corner room or how do those rooms look? And I'm really interested in seeing what the other rooms look like. It's a very, very nerdy thing, but that's what I do. So I, I'm sticking with what, that. What, what did you answer to what, this question? What would you do if they're not to scale? Um, I say I use the bathroom generally like, and Benji was like, oh, I would never want to deal with the front desk on a full bladder, which I agree with you. But I think, you know, with the three kids, like it's like we we get there like last week we were, or two weeks ago, we were at the high regency Miami and we had just driven in from Miami and like we got out. And so like I had to go settle things at the front desk. And actually, I, I didn't tell you this, Sean, but it was like the weirdest thing. I'd never seen it before. My confirmation said February 22nd, which is when I was staying there. But then when I got and like the day before, that's what it said. But when I got to the Hyatt Regency Miami, the app said February 23rd. And they, like somehow the computer changed me by a date. I think what happened was wow. they were upgrading me and they, uh, I think they were upgrading me and they'd like, you know, misclicked or something. Um, bottom line, I was like down there for like 20 minutes getting that sorted out. So, you know, it's like every time with, and the kids are always crazy. Like, you know, you just got to deal with them. So you don't have time to go to the bathroom in the lobby or like before you get there or stuff like that. So I always go to the bathroom first, but some people had a lot of other interesting answers. PDX deals guy, I guess like the only one who's still well-dressed out of all of us says he hangs his suit up. I'm like, okay, man. All right. Nice flex. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm not doing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's no suit with me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Benji puts the air conditioning on full blasts. Uh, DDG checks out the view. John Ryan checks out how the furniture is. So it's just interesting. Everyone always exhibits their own habits whenever they go into a room. And uh, it was fun to hear what everyone said. Ian basically put that he does everything. So it's like, okay, man, just pick one. <laughs> yeah, he did it. He checks out the view, goes to the bathroom, turns down the thermostat, turns off the hotel room TV. So yeah, he does it all. He has this whole thing. And Ryan says he goes, Ryan Flanagan, our Facebook moderator, says he goes and checks for a robe because he's a robe guy. So the, <laughs> what happens when he's staying at like, a, you know, a not so nice property? 
I, do you wear robes, Joe? Like I, I, I've never been a robe guy, like a hotel robe guy. Although, like in the spa, I'll do it, but I don't know. I will wear a robe, but it's always like, do I towel off first and then use the robe? And then most of the time, I wear the robe with clothes underneath, at least underwear, because I like the robe because it's warm. But it just feels weird, like only wearing the robe. I, I just can't. You know, Benji wrote back to Ryan. He was like, "That's a little TMI," and I agree. It's like. I don't know. It's just too much to like not wear clothes underneath. I will say that one thing my wife always does, um, and I've started doing as well, is not look for a robe, but uh, look look for slippers because as a family, well, half my family or the majority of my family except for me does not like going around barefoot in the hotel room. So they always are looking for slippers uh, that they can wear, you know, even though most of them bring their own kind of sandals to wear indoors anyway. This subject kind of brings up all of people's like idiosyncrasies, right? Because like you said, people don't like walking on dirty carpet or walking in hotel rooms. And there's a lot of people that say that. I've heard that a lot. It's something that I try not to think about because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to process that and then have to come up with another behavior. Plus my feet are size 13. So I don't fit into those stupid slippers most of the time. Like I have to like wedge my foot in there. And, you know, I, I do have flip-flops that I travel with yeah. in case we're in a dirty place. But, yeah, not I have fun. super fat feet, so I'm always squeezing in when they're there. You know, I mean, Asians are weird, Sean. We don't want you to wear shoes in our own house, but, you know, we wear shoes when we're in hotel rooms, you know. So we're just, we're just, we're just <laughs> weird fine. about our indoor footwear situations. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's interesting. And I uh, I really enjoyed <laughs> listening to all this. I guess, Joe, I did want to ask you, because you just mentioned the Hyatt Regency Miami, that you stayed there a couple weeks ago. I stayed there a couple weeks ago, right? Not at the same time, but uh, when I just before I did the MTM Diamond Cruise, about a month ago, I guess. And uh, this property is one I've stayed at a couple times. It's in downtown Miami. I think the it's in downtown Miami, and I do think the location's great. It's a Category 4 property. I feel like I like it, but I'd never want to spend 15,000 points a night to stay there. But did you like it for before a cruise? I do think if you're in the Hyatt ecosystem, it's probably the best option for before a cruise because you're close. Although staying out by the airport isn't you know a huge deal to get down to the port. And there is a, a newer Hyatt-centric that is a little bit more expensive near there too. But what do you think? We both did it before a cruise, right? Uh, we loved it. Sean, I'm, I actually had to pay so... I ended up having to pay the cash rate, which was like $300. It wasn't terrible, but like everything was crazy. And I realized later that there was like a multiple conventions in Miami at the same time the night before my cruise left. And I would have happily paid 15,000 points instead of the $300, but you know, I was too late. Sean, I'm surprised. Like I emailed the GM before I got there and they like rolled out the red carpet for me. I, I guess I didn't talk about this last week, but, um, the assistant GM or someone else, like a couple people emailed me and they put us in a corner suite. Um, they sent snacks up for my kids and they also gave us, I did not know of this uh, Alto, which is like a ride share, but the drivers are salaried. It's only in a few cities right now. Is it in Vegas? I haven't heard of it, so I don't think so. Yeah, so it's in Miami and like I think it's in Silicon Valley and a couple other areas right now, probably Austin, like one of those types of tech places and so they gave us a voucher for an alto to the cruise port so i only had to pay the guy his tip so um they were super nice to us uh, and so i that obviously very much colored our impressions of the high regency miami i agree with you it's not in like 
the greatest area and the rooms like definitely the hotel is dated you know could you can tell that it's a little bit older but since they treated us so well it's like they kind of won fans for life and oh and like the greatest thing for my son is the window was like overlooking the river where there was like a drawbridge and uh he just watched you know we were only in that room for like 12 hours he must have spent like two of those hours just you know not including sleeping so he slept for like eight like seven or eight hours so you know he was just watching that drawbridge go up and down the whole entire time yeah that property is crazy because when it was built i think in the late 70s because you know i looked this all up but it's attached to the convention center the main convention center in miami and it was like the main hotel in that whole area for a long time and then of course, Miami's like blown up, so there's millions of towers all around it now, and it's kind of old and outdated. And it was supposed to get torn down and built into a new hotel or a new property. And there was rumors of that a couple of years ago before COVID, but I don't know what's happening now. It's attached to the People Mover, which I like because you know I love People Mover. So uh, I, I think oh it's my good. Gosh, I, I really want to ride that thing. Yeah, but, you know we didn't have time. No so. time. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's a it's a novelty for sure. And uh, yeah, so I. I feel like the other brands have better properties in downtown Miami, but for Hyatt lovers, it's pretty good. The standard suites there are not. Did you have a suite with two rooms with like a separate living room or was it all like one? No, big it was space? just like, yeah, it was like a corner. It was a corner suite. Um, yeah. You know, Mr. Look at your uh, <laughs> exit map. So it's one of those. So it was, it was like, it was like weird. It was like a triangle. Yeah, I got the same. Uh, and uh, yeah, <laughs> of course I look at the. I mean, that's how you get to know what I get it that not every hotel map on the back of a door is accurate, but most of them are yeah, like a lot of them scale, are Sean. no, not to scale, but you get the general idea. And it's just interesting, especially when you're not in like a cookie cutter building and you get to see it. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening who study room types and stuff like that. You know, they read the descriptions, the square footage. I do all that stuff. So that's kind of fits in all with that. But yeah, the Hyatt Regency Miami, we weren't planning on talking about it, but I guess, you know, a little bit of a review. I guess we both could recommend it. Uh, you like it a little bit more than me. I The dated part of it, I feel, is the biggest issue. I do like the lobby. I think the location is fine. I mean, it's right next to, an, to a freeway exit, which is a little weird when you're walking around. But there's a Whole Foods across the street, a CVS two blocks away. The Bayside Mall, that giant mall, is like a 10 or 15-minute walk away. So there's a lot, and then it's like... I don't know, five or 10 minutes to the cruise port. So uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty good stuff. That's all I got this week, Joe. You got anything else? No, I'm pretty good. What is your, like, I, you know, I, the year of Sean traveling, more or less, is uh, coming to a close soon. So what do you have after Cabo planned? Or not yet? You know, I know, I know you're playing a lot of things by ear right now. Yeah, so I mean, it's sort of turned into a disaster 2023 travel-wise, not getting to do everything I yes, want. Yes, it's so a disaster. <laughs> Sean, okay. Have a, okay. Have a little no, bit of perspective. I, I, I hear it. I hear it. Yeah, some the perspective. Okay, I just, I, no, I don't mean it like that. I mean, no, honestly, I, the the dealing with a family member thing is the most stressful part of it. And right, yes, you're absolutely course. right. Yeah. That sounded the worst. It sounded terrible. Ball busting aside, like, I, I just want people to know that sean has real family things going on and that's why you know he's not in japan and he's not actually crying about being in the wa cabo no absolutely not i just mean it's a disaster compared to the plans and the ideas i have just like anything else in life right you can plan for something it doesn't quite happen but with ellie going back in august you know i'm feeling the pressure of wanting to go a few places i am you know japan <laughs> or die at this point uh, so hopefully we'll get japan in the summer before she goes back we were supposed to go to Europe over the summer too. 
So I'm looking at a couple of different options, but I will know more in a couple of weeks. Then I can kind of plan out the rest of whatever the couple months are. So uh, for now, we just hang out in Mexico. And then I think we're going to do a couple of days in Southern California, head back home. And then we'll be home for a little bit in April. And then May, June, July, hopefully should be solid travel months. Uh, but yeah, we are going to do a, Jasmine and I are doing a Virgin cruise later in March too. That was the other thing that we had to get off our books or that we decided while we were kind of in this holding pattern to get off our books. So uh, we're hopefully doing the Virgin cruise. I got to get that book tomorrow, but hopefully hey, we see it does have again? space. So yeah, it is out of, it will be out of Miami. Um, but Wait, that's gonna... a cruise that Virgin offered us or, or offered okay. me, I guess, as an influencer, as a, you know, as a blogger. So to disclose that, I won't do like a full review or anything like that, but I am excited to try out the brand because uh, it looks great. Yeah, I got to disclose that Virgin gave me one of those as well, but I'm not going to go because I received a better opportunity, which I'll talk to you about offline, Sean, but we'll talk about when we get here, when we get there. See, Joe's playing this game on so many levels and, uh, you yeah, know, I'm just not got... at my level. They're not at my level, Sean. No, I'm just kidding. It, it just happened to conflict but yeah so yeah so that's uh that's going to do it for this week's show a lot of interesting stuff hopefully more travel stuff to share well i will be traveling so it's just a matter of where and how i squeeze it in over the next couple months but i will uh, i guess if anything notable happens at waldorf cabo i'll let people know but other than that they can look back at my other review of the property i stand by the fact i said that last time i was here it was the nicest hotel room i'd ever had this version of it, it's a different room, but the same basic, it's the same room type, is more worn. So I don't know if I would take that back, but it's still, you know, it's, it's how could you go wrong at the Waldorf, right, in Cabo? So, uh, you know, I think everybody in this hobby is jumping on this property now. So uh, it's becoming popular. And then in a year, everybody's going to hate it. Someone was complaining about it getting to, oh, wait. It our ex-co-host. Mark, was it? Yeah, it was our ex-co-host. <laughs> <laughs> he called it the new Maldives. And I, I, re- I was talking to him earlier, uh, recording our Vegas show with him, and he's like, where are you? And I was like, oh, the Waldorf Cabo. <laughs> and he just chuckled because, yeah, he had he he said it was the new Maldives. You know, everybody wants to go to the Maldives uh, yeah, in the hobby. Except Before Mark. that, it was the Park Hyatt Vendome or whatever. So this is the new thing, I guess. The only reason I'm back here is to use my free nights that I had. So I probably wouldn't have made a special trip otherwise. But I do like Cabo enough. You know, it's a nice enough place. Yeah. And reminder, uh, September 29th episode, if you want to know um, why, unfortunately, Sean did get those free nights, which uh, every time I think about it, it makes me mad. So hope you all have a good time. I'm, I'm glad you were able to find a place that works with, um, you know, being close to home if you need to get back but uh, still getting some time to enjoy. So I'm glad you guys, that worked out. Me too. And Joe, where can people find you when they're not listening to this fine podcast? You can find me at As Joe Flies all over social media. If you're looking to book a trip, especially Disney-related ones, Joseph Chung at TravelMation.net. Obviously, cash trips. Because if you need your Miles and Points stuff, you know, go to MilesToMemories.com and click on some of those credit card links if you need them. Where can we find you, Sean? Well, milestonemories.com is where all of our posts, our podcasts, our videos, so you can find everything there. This show specifically, if you want links to subscribe or for anything else, mtmpodcast.com. And Mark and I still do that Vegas show over on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash milestonemories. If you want to keep up with the latest Vegas news and information and uh, at milestonemories all over social media as well. So good seeing you, Joe. And thanks to everybody out there for listening. Talk to you guys next time. See ya. 
It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.